Last week we read about the creation story from Genesis, and this week we skip ahead about 12 chapters to the calling of Abram. It's actually pure coincidence that this is the text this week uh, for esoteric reasons, including when the first full moon following the spring equinox occurred. Um, Not kidding. But just trust me that it's super interesting that we've landed here today for the first Sunday after, you know, all of our different color changes for the Pentecost or ordinary season. If it's been a while since you've spent time in Genesis, then let me remind you what's happened in the meantime. Adam and Eve get expelled from the Garden of Eden for eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They have kids, and one of their sons kills the other out of jealousy. Quite a few generations pass, and it becomes clear that as a race, we peaked pretty early. By chapter 6 in this very long book, we're told that God looked out on humankind and saw that the inclinations of our hearts were entirely wicked all the way through, no good to be found. And God decides to end this doomed little experiment in creation. But God can't quite do it for reasons that we are not given but can guess at and spares Noah, who survives on the ark. It's at this point where you see God really start to shift in God's approach to us. The covenant God establishes with Noah basically says, I'll never bring this much destruction again. Go out, be fruitful and multiply. I'll protect you. I'll be with you. It's the first time we receive a covenant with God, You know what a covenant is, right? It's a promise. It's like a peace treaty. Uh, You do this, and I'll do this, like a sovereign agreeing to protect a vassal state. But what's notably absent from God's covenant with Noah is what God wants from us in return for this protection. I don't know if you noticed when you read it, but there's nothing there. No expectations, no morality, no law. The law doesn't come around for another 400 years after Abram. God says, you'll be my people, and all Noah has to do is say, okay. You see this shift in God's treatment of us more than a few times in the Hebrew scriptures, God changing tactics, uh, people arguing God out of a set plan, God feeling bad about what he's done. Uh, Repenting is the word that we like to use to translate that feeling. We're not really told God's reasonings or motives for these changes. I mentioned last week that scripture isn't fond of delving into God's affect or persona. So, of course, I fill it in in my mind when I read these stories. The dawning realization that God has that we will never live up to any treaty. Anything that depends on us fulfilling our side of the bargain. So the bargains are one-sided entirely. I'm with you. I've chosen you. God says, despite it all, let's see where this experiment goes. Needless to say, 
I have never made a human agreement like this. Our promises expect reciprocation. There are lines and limits for all of them, even our deepest loves. Everyone draws these limits differently, but they're always there. We are limited creatures with limitations. We reach the story of Abram next, after a quick detour at the Tower of Babel. And with Abram, we hear the next step God takes to try to relate to us. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, God says, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, that's it. No question of what Abraham, Abram at the time will do for God, no swearing of fealty or obeisance, a total absence of expectation. It really defies our definitions. The promises in the Old Testament are unsettling to me. The way God offers blessing after centuries of being continually dismayed by how every human from Adam to Abram chose to use our freedom, God says, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you not because you're deserving or because you're special or because you're more clever or more successful or somehow superior or greater in number. God says, I choose you, and this is a quote, because I choose you, all of you, whatever that may be. I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons. It's been a strange and unsettling week around here, it feels like. I don't know about you. The days of smoke that shrouded the physical world but opened our eyes even more clearly to the reality of climate change. Then this sabotage campaign against the little pride gathering in the village. When I feel the ground shifting beneath my feet, it's bracing to return to these early stories of where we come from and what we're here for. So often I hear Christians dismiss the God of the Old Testament when what we're seeing in these first 12 chapters is the beginning of something we would eventually learn to name love. That's what you can't miss in this story. That these are stories about what love looks like when the creature you want to love is entirely unlike yourself. And we're learning it from God. The monk Thomas Merton wrote, The beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We love only the reflection of ourselves we find in them. Like Abram, we are called from the familiar places of our lives, 
the familiar places where business and relationships and love depend on mutual transaction and a likeness. We're called to trust an altogether different way of being. The foundation of that being God's promise of blessing that depends not on us, only on God's self. This is where we come from. God says, through you all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Seems to me that if you believed that at your foundation is a great and unmerited and unshakable love, you might help your neighbor see that too. A city on a hill you'd be, a church at a pride parade, a relationship where you stopped keeping tally of wrongs. You'd have a clear-eyed embrace of people whose opinions differ from your own The outsider and the stranger and the lowly, lonely brought in. Through you, they all will be blessed. This is nothing less than what we're here for.